I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to our annual fantasy season recap episode of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast. Uh, 2018 edition, I guess this one is right here. Uh, this episode is brought to you by uh, the hard work put in and the dedicated support from all of the people who contributed to MLSFI, MLS Fantasy Boss, uh, Reddit, Patreon. Uh, this is brought to you by you guys because you've meant so much to this project over this season. So thank you so much. Um, we've got a pretty good show today. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLS Fantasy Boss. And tonight I'm joined by a panel of MLS Fantasy pundits. Um, we have Mike Denton with us in the early part of the show. Then we have Blaine Riffle with us here, our usual co-host. We have uh, a regular guest the last few years with us, Tim Shaw from SoccerCaptains.com. And hello, friends. I'm oh! back. There he is. <sighs> oh, the yawn himself, Jason Wiskovich, uh, with us the last couple of years. Not with us this year, uh, with his family, with jobs and crazy things, but he is with us to review 2018. How are you all doing tonight? Doing Scum. well. Awesome. Great. Fantastic. Great to be back with you boys and all the listeners. I miss you all and I love you all. Uh, so oh, happy Jay's here. I love. I feel the love. The love is real tonight. So happy. Uh, we have a great show for you guys. Uh, most importantly, or most the biggest reason for that being a great show, I say, is because um, we have an interview with Ben Bear all set and ready to go. Um, so I hope you guys are in for some good conversation. Mike and I interviewed Ben a couple of nights ago. Uh, that was a uh, Wednesday or something, whatever, whatever it was. And um, it was before we had this recording set up. So that was recorded. Mike can't be with us tonight because he's out with his wife. So good job, Mike. Some priorities there. Uh, but so Mike and I interviewed Ben, had a good conversation. These guys have heard that. They know what's going on. We're going to break down that after this interview and then talk about our own thoughts and opinions on 2018 and what we hope for 19. So without any further delay, let's get our 2018 season recap interview with Ben. Okay, uh, now we have Ben Bear joining us uh, to kick off this episode tonight. Uh, Mike and I are here with Ben just to do our recap for 2018. Normally we talk to Ben at the beginning of the season as sort of the, the hype, but uh, there was a lot going on this year. So we thought it might be better for everyone to be able to absorb the game and, and the changes and then touch base with Ben at the end of the season to, to really get the feedback from the community and, and his feedback after a good chance to uh, see everything for himself. So uh, Ben, thank you so much for joining us as always. Glad to be here as always after uh, exciting season, but a uh, busy last couple of weeks, obviously with the playoffs. I'd imagine so. Um, <laughs> We'll just jump right into it so we can let you go back to all of that. Uh, as I already mentioned, the, the season started off uh, with a new provider for the fantasy game, and there were a few glitches at the start. Uh, I wanted to know if you could just help um, inform the community about why that happened and if some of the problems from 2018 have been addressed as we get ready for 2019. Yeah, I think uh, this year we did start with a, with a new partner. 
Uh, obviously, there's always going to be a learning curve in these types of in these types of situations. Obviously, the things that happened at the beginning of the season, I would say, were not ideal. I was, you know, I'm happy. I was, I was un- as unhappy as a lot of the fans out there. You know, we were working on it real hard to try and get it ready. We thought we were in a good place. You know, first week or two, maybe we we weren't where we where we thought we were and where we needed to be. But I think over the course of the season, we did a really good job of uh, fixing those problems. And I think we were, we were in a pretty good place by the end of the season. Not in a perfect place, but I think we were in a pretty good place. Yeah, I know we had uh, even staff from digital responding to some of the Reddit threads uh, to, to get feedback from users. What is the best way, uh, in, for your preferences, for players to give feedback if they do find something about uh, the game that's a glitch or a concern? Uh, I, I would say, you know, we're always checking Reddit. Don't I mean, tweeting at me is one thing, but that's not always going to be, you know, the thing that I want personally because that's not always, you know, it's not, it, it's, it seems very personal when, when, when you get those kind of tweets at you and it's like, most of the time it's not my fault and it's, it, it seems like, I, I know that's not like very nice, like very great thing to say, but that's just what, how I think of it sometimes and it's just, understandable, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, when they're they, wanting you to fix the problem, it does kind of feel like your fault. <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, yeah, we're checking the Reddit. Thing. I think one thing that we had at the beginning of the year was we were kind of integrating new people into this project, into this, into this whole fantasy scene. And, and I think over the course of the season, those people have meshed in pretty well and we've been able to just have more people on this. And I think we are, again, I, I, I think we're in a good place now as opposed to maybe, you know, February, January, February, March. Yeah, I guess you are kind of the face. How many how many people do you say would work on fantasy side? Uh, we have about, you know, two or three people on the developing side on it, you know, not every day, but you know, that's one of their right, right. one of their projects that they work on. Very cool. I can only imagine how many ad tweets that you must get throughout the day that's <laughs> also that i mean i'm also you know drop the curtain a bit obviously i i i help monitor our mls fantasy account obviously it's not as active as you know it was in the past but yeah i i see those as well uh ben one of the feedback that we got from one of the developers was on a reddit thread that we posted about um user interface changes and i don't want to go through all the changes that were brought because we'd keep you here uh all night but i wanted to give you let you touch on um, some of one of the problems you saw with the user interface once you got feedback and what your plans are for 2019 as it relates to just the user interface? Obviously, just like uh, when we were trying to figure out when you were looking at the game, you couldn't see the matchups below uh, you know, your, your lineups. You couldn't see who was playing at home. You couldn't really figure out who was playing at home who was on the road. Obviously, those are things that we corrected. Uh, we're definitely going to fix how we display double game weeks. I think it's going to be one of our highest goals for next year. And also, you know, go user interface, user experience, all this. I'm tying these things kind of together. Different ways to display budgets and, you know, maybe go over your budget so you can play with lineups. Giving giving managers the ability to play with their lineups a little bit more is another thing high up on our list. Yeah, that tinkering element that is really enjoyable. Yes. Uh, so there were uh, two big game changes this year that we want to highlight above a lot of the others. Uh, the new price structure 
and rolling transfers. Uh, these were received by the fantasy community with with mixed opinions. I, I know I've defended both of those uh, pretty pretty staunchly throughout the season, uh, but um, we we're interested in how were these received internally since it seemed like some more MLS staff really got into it as well and what drove the decisions behind making these changes? Well, the, the new pricing model is something that came with uh, the, the new partner. And when we were, pre- we were presented with it, we were like, yeah, this is great. Uh, we weren't a hundred percent sure. You know, we saw some models and stuff like that, but we didn't, again, we were at, at that time, we didn't have people uh, to go over this stuff, you know, very intently, I would say. Again, I mean, I have all these different things that I'm doing in addition to fantasy, and, you know, we're bringing these people on. So maybe it, it didn't work out exactly as we thought of uh, at the beginning, and it was a little confusing at times. I would say even internally it was a little confusing at times. We were asking questions. These are things that happen. That, I mean, on the thing about these – these kinds of things is it's not like you're being singled out as a manager, as a fantasy manager, these things are happening to everyone. So can you really say that you're, you're getting advantage? You're not getting advantage. I think, I mean, over after three or four weeks, I think everyone realized what was going on and everyone figured it out. And if you were playing fantasy, you figured it out and we got to, we did a better job of explaining what was going on uh, over the course of, you know, three, four or five weeks. Uh, I would say, I'll definitely say that, we are looking at the model and we will be discussing ways to improve it, ways to change it. Uh, I would say it's, I, I, it's not going to go back to the way it was in uh, previous years, but I think maybe smoothing out some of the, some of the dips uh, and some of the rises, maybe something we'll be looking at. That definitely great. Um, was the, the rolling transfers, that was a direct change based on previous feedback from the fan community, wasn't it? Because I remember yeah. the last I, couple of years, people really wanted those rolling transfers. 100%. I, I mean, I'm going to be like, the fact that we did get complaints about that, I was shocked. Because that was, was what too. we were told for, I mean, even when I was not on this and I was a fan, or, you know, I, was a, I worked for MLS Digital, but I wasn't running fantasy. That was something I always wanted. Uh, and this is something that we were asked for for years. Uh, we got it. So I understand that some people may be upset. Some people don't want to check their check their app, check their their team. You know, all night Saturday night. It's obviously not ideal. There are sometimes even you know when I I had I had a couple weekend nights that I couldn't check my uh, check the lineups intently and change my team. So that wasn't great. But I mean. That, that's what you got to deal with. I think, think, I think that's a common experience in any American fantasy game. I know people like to compare us to the fantasy Premier League game or fantasy any kind of soccer game, but I really look at us as more of an American fantasy game. Of course, all of our play, most of our players, are, most of our managers are American. So that's the way I kind of look at it, and that's just something that all that you deal with in fantasy. I loved it. I mean, I know. Yeah, some other people didn't, but I think the vast majority did. Well, and one thing we wanted to ask you um, on that is a lot of people, when they were complaining about it, said, oh, I'm quitting, and I know a whole lot of people quit. Now, obviously, for us on the outside, we can't really see numbers as far as retention rates and signups. Um, 
was the retention base of the player base um, different this season? Did it go up? Did it go down? How were how the numbers that you've seen look? I haven't I haven't been able to dig it dig into it as much as again. So now we have people that actually will look at this stuff more than I was like last year or the beginning of this year. Uh, what I have seen a little bit and what I've heard, it's it was basically the same as it's been. I would say we did get a little bit of a jump with the with that change we made mid season, but it's it was I there was nothing to say that rolling transfers caused people to quit faster than before. Did you say there was a jump in the mid season that we got a boost with the, the reset? Yeah, the reset? We, yeah, with the with the spring and fall season, there was a little bit of a boost. I would say. Oh, good. That's good to know. Uh, you already mentioned EPL, and of course, one of their marquee changes that they had uh, recently was offering a uh, a draft option. Uh, is that something having this sort of side by side? MLS fantasy classic and MLS fantasy draft something that might be on the roadmap or is there just really no interest in that at this point? I would say it is always in the roadmap that it has <laughs> any uh, potential higher now than it has been in previous previous years. But I will say it is always in the roadmap. We're always looking at it. We're always gauging if it's possible. And that's where we're at with the draft. I'm, I know I feel a bit more open to it than I have in the past, but it, it's mostly due to our expansion. I, I feel like all these new teams coming in are going to increase the player base. And I think that makes it easier because otherwise it's kind of hard to find some of those viable players for a good – to make you feel like you have a good team. And I think that's what the current system does now is you feel like you have a great team with the unlimited transfers and the rolling transfers. You can really get that core group that you want. So, uh, But that's good to hear. Go FC Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> Um, well, we wanted to act, talk about the, the future, Ben. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of we've spitballed a bunch of ideas for in-game changes, stuff like um, point multipliers for away teams, um, maybe extending the fantasy season through the playoffs. Uh, I know Reed is big into splitting the defender ca- stats into <laughs> separate categories, um, and maybe even eliminating the switcheroo and auto ruse, which is I think maybe is some of the issues that people had with the rolling transfers being too much work. Um, I know it's early, but do you have any thoughts about some in-game changes that we might see in 2019? Uh, honestly, my goal, the thing that I've been harping on kind of internally is we've had so many changes over the past three or four years, different things that we've tried, different rule changes. I want to keep it pretty much close to status quo. There are some things that we're looking at. Uh, the way Multiplier was actually brought to my attention by somebody else, by a developer. He was trolling the Reddit thread, I, I, I guess. <laughs> and I I was immediately... I immediately said no. I, ah. I, would to hear, I would love to hear why you guys think that would be good. But to me, that's part of... You're, you're adding too much strategy at that point. Part of the strategy of fantasy... Should you pick home players? Or should you pick road players? Will you take Javinko on the road against the bad team? Where you're going to take the home, home Albert Elise against uh, bad defense? But Albert Elise is not as good a player as Javinko. To me, that stuff is all kind of baked into the game. You don't really need to add any more strategy to it, in my opinion. But I would love to. If you guys are all in on that, I'd love to hear why. Well, I, th- I think for me, the reason I was I was interested in that is because. 
so many times people feel like there's a cookie cutter team. And a lot of it is pick the home players because in MLS in particular, compared to a lot of the other American sports, the home field advantage is so real. I think this year it was close to uh, 80% of the time did the home team come away with points, either a win or a draw from, from one of their games. And, and that's reflected in fantasy scores usually. And it makes players just almost by default dismiss away teams and just go with the home players. But if you had that, well, uh, you're going to get your regular five points for your goal at home. But if you're away, you're going to get seven or whatever the multiplier might be. Then, well, maybe I want to go with uh, an Albert Elise away instead of with this Martinez at home. Maybe it's a different game. I, I just thought that added some interesting uh, strategical elements to it. So, yeah, it is a definitely a strategy thing for me that I like, um, but it also increases that player pool, a little bit of viable players that, that may help address some of the people's feelings of a cookie cutter. But, but and, it's a stats thing. And yeah. we thought it might help um, – create more divergence in scores. I mean, one of the things that we kind of saw this year, and you have internal numbers, so you might know more than we do. Um, we kind of saw the scores all mostly be in the same range. And so if you had a real rough start of the season, you didn't know, weren't a whole lot of opportunities to take risks and make that back up. We thought this might in introduce an element that would allow that to happen. So we kind of saw it as adding a strategy to the game that might spice it up a little bit. Interesting. I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll mull it over. <laughs> I'll it over, uh, but yeah. So there, I would. That's the thing with me. Yeah, to me that would be very big change, and it would be shocking to you know we have our we have all we have people on Reddit, people who are very into the game. But I would say obviously a lot of people aren't as into the game, and to see that would be a huge change for them. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So I will mull it over. One thing we have talked about. No, we're nowhere we're near deciding on this is uh, potentially changing the max amount of players you can have from one team from four to three. Oh. And add a little more diversification of teams. You know, if, if Seattle's playing at home against Colorado, you're not going to have – not, everyone's not going to have four Sanders players. That's one thing we're discussing. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm open to all the discussions in terms of that. I heard that. I was like, no. But then as I thought about it more, maybe – but so that's something that we're mulling over definitely. But like I said, I think the vast majority of uh, of these types of things, gameplay, I would say, is going to be pretty status quo. Oh yeah, no, I, I I do really like that the strategy for a way team modifier. But hearing just keep the status quo, let's get a couple of years of the same game under our belt feedback. That that also really makes sense. And so I I would love to see that as well. Just calm down, let's play it see how we actually like it, get some real numbers, some real feedback, and then and then go from there. So I, I totally get that, and and I'm fine. I'm fine, but Wave Modifier is cool, too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, Ben, you said that one of the reasons you want to kind of keep the status quo is to you know kind of keep it easier for new people to come in. That way you, you can kind of boost um, numbers. So, so what is MLS looking to do in 2019 to kind of boost the player pool going forward and make the game kind of grow as a more um, – important part of most MLS fans experience. Well, I think if you look at our numbers from this year, we were a couple few thousand up uh, in terms of our players. So uh, after a few years of being either neutral or a little bit, the slight to kind, seeing that up is, is really good. And I think, you know, obviously there's always 
we're adding another team. That so I'm sure Reed is very happy about that. So yes. <laughs> always that little boost. <laughs> so we don't always actually see that when when you're going from 2016 to 2017, we actually didn't see uh, that much of a boost with uh, teams like Atlanta and Minnesota. So we'll see with that. Uh, I would say yeah, just I, I, I'm I'm a broken record with this every year kind of stuff. But I mean, obviously MLS is growing, and the more fans that are gonna engage with our other content or engage with uh, the league on a more daily basis, those people are gonna migrate to fantasy. So it's not always about what we're doing as a fantasy game. It's more about it's a little bit about what we're doing as an entire team of in terms of uh, awareness, marketing, all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's answering advantage very generally. Um, we haven't really dug into. Obviously, we're still in player playoff mode. We kind of have these discussions. We have we've had discussions, a lot of discussions about 2019 already. Obviously, in terms of obviously, I'm bringing up all of all the stuff that I already said in this uh, conversation. But in terms of you know marketing awareness and all that kind of stuff, those conversations generally don't happen until uh, December, January when we get closer to game time. Little, little early. Well, you can definitely believe if anyone is listening to this episode right now and they hang out at FC Cincinnati subreddit, I'll be around there some in 2019 as we get closer to game time. So uh, look for that. Uh, um, let's see, we covered this next one already. Um, so, so this year you guys started doing fantasy periscopes on mm-hmm. on uh, Twitter. Uh, how did the staff feel about? Well, I guess except for Weeby, uh, rejoining uh, the fantasy media game. Uh, and uh, are, what kind of plans do you guys have for, for MLS produced fantasy content? Well, I can tell you, Doyle and Bobby absolutely loved the podcast. There was some of, we'd, we'd end a lot of the, I can't, I can't believe I called it a podcast. <laughs> End of the periscopes. Uh, we ended a lot of the periscopes and we said, wow, that was like the most fun we've had all week. Uh, Tuesday, obviously, we saw it was mostly t- once a week towards the end of the season because there were so many uh, double game weeks. Hopefully that'll change next year because now we'll have an even, an even number of teams. Uh, so we can have actually have two shows a week. But uh, yeah, I, I, w- I would say we haven't really uh, gone over it with our social team who really kind of ultimately, ultimately makes a decision in terms of that specific uh, content piece. But I would say we're going to push for it to be back, obviously. We love it. Uh, we want to continue it. And I think we we just have a lot of fun with it. And I think it's definitely a good resource for a lot of uh, fantasy uh, fantasy players out there. Do you think Bobby would want to join our host league? Oh, I mean, we got Weeby's, Weeby's nothing. No, we should definitely check out Weeby. Bobby loves it. Bobby's obviously the most competitive person, <laughs> competitive person I've ever met in terms of anything. So he would take it very seriously. Uh, if, you, if, if we invite him next year. Well, there it is. Weeby's, Weeby's demoted, and uh, Bobby's going to get promoted into our, our host league next year. That'll be that, – that'll get some, some Twitter gifts going back and forth with, with challenges. And, and <laughs> that'll be fun. Uh, well, well, Ben, uh, we don't want to keep you too long, um, so just kind of like a final general question. Um, overall, did you consider this season a success, and um, are there any teasers for what we can expect going forward uh, in 2019 that we haven't touched base on yet? I would say it was a success. I would say we did, we did really poorly at the beginning of the year, but I think we rebounded to a point 
where I would consider a success. Obviously, it's not what I would like to have seen uh, from the beginning of the year, and I was upset about it. But I think we did a really good job after that with education. Of course, you guys help with that, uh, as you always do. And I think the, the community helped explain some things that we did a poor job of doing. And I think after that, it was, it was a success. I think, you know, if you look at our, our players, that was a success. I think the spring and fall seasons were, were a success. I'm not – I'm – Pretty sure that, as I said, we're going to keep a lot of things status quo, so you probably see that again in 2019. Uh, so I think that decision was a good one. But again, yeah, we're, we're, we're continuing to make sure that everything is buttoned up. That's our number one goal uh, for 2019. Make sure everything is right. Make sure we explain everything. Uh, make sure everyone understands the game from the beginning. All that kind of stuff is the most important thing to me. Uh the one thing that I didn't get to mention in terms of a user user interface UI UX stuff is we are also looking at um, not not showing uh, your your opponent in terms of head to head. Obviously, uh, the the amount of managers that play in head to head leagues is actually it's not very high at all. So it's not always the top of our list in terms of what we're looking at in terms of how our head to head leagues doing. Uh, but I will say that, yeah, we're definitely looking at that to make sure that you cannot see the other team until it is lost. What about green and red arrows? That's all I care about, man. I want mm. the green arrows back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll look into it. We'll look into it. <laughs> Maybe put Mike's face on one of them, and that, that'll make him happy. Yeah, put me on the down one. That'll be a little more <laughs> If you see Michael, then you have gone down. You mm -hmm. Or, you know, maybe Weeby. Like, I think it's. I know. think that would be more fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, I, I think that's what we got. So he definitely needs to be one of the, like, a logo at the beginning of the season, just a little spoof. A logo of Weeby holding a wooden spoon. Well, he, he, did, he did manage to get in the our, like, promo video for the year. <laughs> how he did that. <laughs> Shenanigans, shenanigans, collusion. That's what it is. That's not happening again. I'll, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ben, uh, for talking with us and help breaking down some of 2018. Um, we'll break it down even more later on the show, but uh, appreciate you as always and look forward to 2019. Looking forward to it. Guys. All right, take care, Ben. All right, uh, that was Ben Bear talking to us about the feedback, or not feedback, just talking to us about uh, his take on the 2018 fantasy season, a reflection. Uh, I, I think that was one of our best interviews with, with uh, Ben Mike. I, I mean, I think we really got a lot of great information and some, some good tweaks, not tweaks, some good words are hard tonight. Uh, some good <laughs> insights. Words are always into, hard. They're always hard, I know. Some good insights into 2019. What'd you think? Uh, yeah, and I thought it was interesting, you know, because we get the feedback of, you know, people saying, we've left the game, but we've never, we can't actually see the numbers. So it's interesting to get the perspective of someone who actually sees the numbers, who's able to see the facts. Um, and, you know, I mean, we're, we're recording this the day after the election. So it's always interesting to see the, what people think the numbers are going to be to where they actually are. And it's nice to actually get, I mean... When he said the spring and fall season, like there was a bump, like, I mean, I was floored, you know, if you'd have seen me, my jaw was on the ground because my experience was like half everyone I knew quit. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, so, and I think that's the difference we see. Like, I know we were, I'm sure some people got, will get irritated from these answers, but I think that's the difference. We are very much 
tied into the hardcore community. And and maybe a lot of people even listening right now, maybe you guys do consider yourself a hardcore community. And maybe we're not reaching out well enough to uh, the casuals, which we really hope we are, because that's what we hope the podcast uh, is helpful to the most is some of the our most casual players. But um, I mean, I, I can see their point of view that if numbers go up, that was a success. And that makes sense to me. Just, just like Ben saying, I'm sure Ben saying, well, we may not change anything might irritate people because I've seen the people who are like, if this doesn't change, I'm not coming back. But if you're a responsible company trying to get feedback on your product to change it every year is, is hard. And yeah, that does make sense to me that, you know what, let's roll with this for a couple of years, see how it turns out, give people some consistency and, and then look at what might need to be tweaked. Yeah, and I mean, like, I, I, I understand that. I, I think one of the interesting questions um, that comes out of the interview is, you know, Ben kind of said we, we grew a few thousand and, you know, that's good. I guess my question would be, is that good enough growth for what we want as the fantasy community? Ben clearly thinks it is. Like, that's a good number. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with that. Uh, I think there could be a lot more growth. Um to, to really to shoot for as a goal, but that's an interesting discussion to have as a community, what we think is um, appropriate uh, growth. Um, as, as far as like keeping it close to the status quo, like, I mean, like, that makes sense. I mean, honestly, outside of unlimited transfers, which, and Ben is right, that was something that the community has requested a lot. Um, some people are kind of forgetting about that. Equally um, floored that, that people complain. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it, it does kind of show you that people complain about everything now since i've left twitter i've kind of had a different perspective on it or i I say i left twitter i don't use twitter as much as i used to because i deleted the app from my phone so like when i'm walking around i don't see use twitter now i do think there's some things that mls could do user-wise to relieve the burden of i need to go on twitter you know for 15 minutes to try to see when this lineup comes out i think there's some changes in the app they could do to to relieve that Mm -hmm. but you know i i think like whether or not we stay with status quo, I think it is some consistency is good where we don't start with a blank slate every single year as far as like rule changes that people can kind of grow and know. Cause I mean like NFL fantasy football, they don't do massive rule changes every season. Yeah. Small tweaks, small tweaks. And I mean, the, the price structure is probably the biggest one. You know, if, if I, was, gonna... I was happy to hear that they're looking at at that at least because I know I, I very much understand people's frustrations with with the pricing structure because what I love about MLS fantasy compared to EPL fantasy is primarily our scoring system because it reflects player performance and the 2017 pricing system reflected player performance at the position level and that was just a correlation that i that i liked I, that that's made me feel good and to see as so many people have pointed out hey zardes did awesome three weeks ago and he's done garbage since then why is his price still going up every week um i understand that frustration and i and i am happy that they're looking at that but i was even thinking during this show you know that that could very well be a proprietary system of the previous provider, the previous partner. Right. But I mean, I think you're absolutely right. It didn't make sense from a game point to be like, well, it doesn't really matter what he's going to do. He's going to get a price rise. Um, I mean, I think for those like weeks three and four where we're like, 
we're putting these players on because we know they're getting price rises and there's nothing anybody can do about it. You know, it, it feels cheap, you know, because you're not being rewarded for making smart fantasy decisions. You know? I feel like if, if they did stick with this similar system, that a maybe a three-week rolling average versus a five-week rolling average would be better. Because I think for most of us, at least for me, when I'm looking at a guy, I'm like, yeah, he scored this week and maybe he doesn't score next week. And I think to myself, yeah, well, he scored a couple weeks ago. Maybe this is just a bit of a fluke. His, his form could still be going. This, this next team is Colorado. Let's see how that happens, Dallas. Uh, and then if it doesn't happen after a third week, I'm kind of like, all right, next. Let's move on to somebody else. This guy's not going well. And then he's Kaku and he scores. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but maybe if maybe just sticking with a three week and, and not going to the five would be a bit more reflection of actual form and performance than than the five week. Right. And now, now, I mean, my question would be whether or not that would be too volatile of a system, especially in the beginning, um, because, I mean, I didn't feel like the price structure was that bad once you got past the early weeks. I mean, even in the fall season, it wasn't quite as crazy as it was in the past. I mean, you had a little bit of it, but it, because you had so much information already in there, it wasn't um, as drastic as changes. I mean, I think most people ended up with like 10 million um, less in the fall season than they did in the spring, spring season. Um, so that would be my question. Now, obviously, one, one of the things that Ben said that I was really glad is that they have more people doing where they can do more tests. And that's something that's very important. Like, if we're going to make changes to the price structure, test it and see what kind of results it would have had. That way we can see if the system actually works before we do it. You know, the fantasy game, the whole, the 2018 season should not have been a beta test. So I'm hoping the 2019 season will not be a beta test for this new price structure. Hopefully what Ben said will happen and we'll see the changes um, tested before they're implemented. And, and I know myself and Skylar and Travis, uh, so we were some of the ones who did get to see the game a couple weeks early, I guess what might've been the alpha at the times. And so we got to see some of these changes, but without games being played and data being added in to show a reflection of a week to week, uh, we weren't able to see a example of price changes. It was mostly like, here's the way the system, we weren't even told the formula, but we we're like, here's the way the system works. It's, it's going to change based on, players are playing yeah yeah it's like oh okay yeah that sounds great that that sounds kind of similar to what we had last year that that sounds cool awesome looking forward to it um but we even during that initial testing couldn't change so um yeah glad to hear that too uh you know i do wonder now just thinking the prices didn't change after the first round with our opening weekend challenge so the system seems to have the capability to freeze prices maybe what we would need is the first three to five weeks no price changes give New players who maybe missed the first week or missed the first couple of weeks a chance to join can still modify some teams. Everyone's playing on an even playing field. You're kind of keying in on those value players. Clearly, maybe that's too abusive for some people, but um, you have players get a few weeks under their belt so you can build your average and then change. Maybe it would be too drastic for the first time, but it, it could be expected. That might that might be an interesting idea. Yeah, I mean, you you could do that. Um, you know, I've, I've suggested in the past just having the budget stationary. That way you don't have to worry about the price building. So that way if a player is, you know, going wildly up in price because he has one crazy week, i.e. like Cisenderos, 
you know, no one's really profiting all that or can profit all that because you don't get profit from it. In fact, it actually might hurt you because you're overpaying for a player who's not as talented. Sure. Um, so, I mean, there, there's a number of ways that options I think available to the fantasy team to change that to, to lessen the impacts of what we saw in this year, which is really people kind of gaming the system um, in a way that I don't think rewards what we want the fantasy game to reward. Yeah. Well, uh, this was our interview with Ben. Coming up next, we're going to have our fantasy round table. Uh, we've got a great list of guys who uh, you've already heard at the top of the show who are here as our guests. Uh, going to chat more about what we've just heard with Ben and get their feedback, feedback from the players uh, for how they thought the 2018 season was and what we are hope are go is going to happen for 2019. And even how you, the fans, the listeners, uh, the players can uh, help make fantasy improve and be awesome. So thank you so much and stay tuned. All right. Uh, that was our interview with Ben. I, I thought it was a really great interview. What did you guys think about that? I, it was great. I mean, it's very, it's a great opportunity to be able to hear from the guys and get a glimpse behind the curtain a little bit. Um, and yeah, I mean, Ben answered a lot of the questions that we had been putting on, uh, on social media and on Reddit. So you know, it's I'm look, I'm optimistic about the future of this of the game next year. Absolutely, a lot of clarity was added. Definitely, I think, uh, like you just, uh, I'll echo your what you just said. But a lot of uh, questions, good clarity was added to a lot of the Reddit questions and social media. I'm excited this year. I thought it was a great success, and the future is looking bright for uh, not only MLS but fantasy MLS. Yeah, I, uh, I we tried to ask a lot of the the questions that people had mentioned throughout the season. I know we had. Uh, Blaine knows this. We had some some little teaser episodes where we touched on some of these topics. So we didn't really want to pull any of the punches. Uh, and and we knew that Ben might have to be a little political with some of the questions. But I think he really addressed them. Uh, and I was really happy to hear some of his answers and just some of his insights. There's one in particular I want to get your guys' feedback on. Because uh, I know for so many years, we especially focus on what can be better, what can be better, what are the fans, what do we need to change, how can we make this? And... To hear Ben just say, you know, I think we need to just keep the status quo for a little bit to, to get an actual base of feedback, it, it makes sense. And I think it's kind of surprising that maybe some of us haven't even thought of that to say, you know what, let's not change something. Let's just do this for a couple of years and then see what needs to happen. Uh, does that make sense to you guys as well? Or are you like, no, 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 there's some things that have to change? Anybody? I think there's always something that can be changed, but know, absolutely, yeah. Every year, though, that we've had this uh, this game going on, something has changed, and it's nice to you know have a system in place. Let's chill out. Let's see how it goes for a couple of years, get some more feedback, and then we can fine tune, fine tweak it. You know, in two years, three years, something like that. But I, I agree with Ben. I think everyone should just, as Aaron Rodgers would say. Relax. <laughs> Blank. I think I think Ben makes a great point here with this too, because I mean I know first half of the season he was up in arms. The price change model was absolutely broken, and all of this. Second season, fall season, kind of went a whole lot smoother. We we knew what to expect. We had learned the system, but the price changes didn't seem so outlandish either. I mean, we could predict a few of them. But even when we were trying to predict them, we weren't getting them right all the time anymore. So I think 
I just to echo what Ben has said, let's give it a couple of years. Let's give it a little bit of time because we did see the system work out. And I remember one of the early things they talked about was not having any, any of our player data preloaded to affect price changes. And they said it can carry over from season to season for guys who have been in a bit. So yeah, the off season signings may come in without any preloaded data and you may see some of that crazy fluctuation. But the guys who have been here, the guys that we come to rely on as our, for our fantasy team, will have that information. So I want to see where the system can go next year and see if that price change model can hold up even better once we've got more data in the system and see if we don't see those major spikes early in the season like we did this last year. Yeah, I think I got to agree with both these guys and Ben. Um, I mean, let's let's take a step back and think about what they accomplished this year, right? Like they rebuilt the UI from scratch. They implemented a web app. So right there, you have already a massive project. On top of that, they implemented a, quite a few rule changes, um, including rolling transfers, which is something that you know sort of mirrors most other fantasy sports in this in in the U.S. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot going on, and I think the game is in a relatively good state right now. And you know, the way it was structured this year, right? We had two seasons. I'm sure there was a whole lot of work done on the back end ahead of the second season. I almost think that this might be sort of this year was almost like a bit of a guinea pig in terms of, hey, this might be like a multi-year push to really start to get MLS fantasy on the map a bit and build out engagement with the fan base in the league. Like, you know, now they're doing fantasy periscopes, you know, they're talking about it on, uh, you know, on the podcast on extra time. Uh, there's a lot going on behind the scenes, I think, to really start to push the fantasy game because it really is one of the best ways to engage your fan base. I have to agree. Uh, I was, I was glad though to hear that even if they do keep things a status quo that the pricing model is definitely going to be looked at. I know that was kind of rough for most people. Now, maybe not you, Tim. I know in that financial field you work in, you're probably used to to rapidly fluctuating ups and downs in prices. But oh god, this last month has been bad. <laughs> Listen, we can do a whole nother podcast about it. But, oh, but from a fantasy point of view, uh, I th I think that was very frustrating to have just some of these these changes mike and i had talked about this in our interview the other night or just our our post discussion the other night one of the things i love about this game i'm going to hit it again is compared to epl is that our point system awards players for what they do for doing their job and i think that is fantastic so much less arbitrary than the bonus point system that fpl does um and I would like the price change system to reflect that. I also don't like the stock market system that EPL does with, with their FPL, whatever you want to call it, does with, with their game as well. So if they do look at that model, I think moving from uh, that five-week rolling average and just looking at maybe a three-week snapshot um, would be great for me uh, in my mind because I'm for me – I, that's kind of the window I give a player for form. It's like if you you do awesome one week, great. If you trip up the next week, I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's a flub. You do it twice, I'm kind of like, all right, you're you're off. And then, as I said then, and I'll say it now because Tim's here, your name is Kaku when that happens. And then you go off again, and I kick myself. But that's just how that works. Um, is that something you guys would like to see? Would you like a three-week rolling average? Or what does smooth the dips and rises mean to you? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, let's get a little bit of the volatility volatility out of there. Um, but ultimately, I don't think it's a bad idea, right? Uh, you get a little bit of, uh, you know, you, get, you build out a composite of a player a little bit, you get a little bit of history, and, you know, maybe you put a little less emphasis on the three-day average and more on the five, or maybe you even just do a one, two, three, four, five weighted average of games back. You know, there's a, there's a few things that you can do so that guys just aren't, you know, shocking up 5 million and then shocking down 5 million every game. Uh, yeah. Uh, anything else, uh, Tim, Jason, Blaine, that you guys would like to touch on about what, what Ben said? Um, I thought it was funny with, with our the question about the, the draft that it's, it's always on the roadmap, but I mean, I'm not sure if we're quite ready for that just yet. I know you're a big draft guy, Blaine. Uh, but anything else that Ben touched on that you guys would like to hit before we get into your thoughts about 2018 and 19? Yeah, I think um, I really did like that he mentioned that they are looking to address sort of template teams and move it, potentially changing the player limit from four players on a specific team to three could be pretty useful. Um, I think they're going to have to look at the schedule a little bit too and sort of tweak that because we yeah, do have yep. some of those game weeks with three or four teams and you wouldn't be able to fill out a full roster. But if we can avoid scheduling those, then I, I, I don't mind a, a three-player limit at all. Um, you know, uh, like I said, I think everybody here would like to see a little bit less of a template team and that's probably one way to approach it. But I am glad that they're, you know, looking at it and thinking about ways of, of combating it. Yeah, I don't think we can overstate how important it is that Ben's talking about having some support on this this next year and hiring, it looks like, two guys to help him with this or making that part of two other job descriptions. Um, I kind of got the idea from talking to him on Twitter at the first part of last season that he was doing most of this by himself. And I know I, I pointed out a pretty big bug in the system that got through testing, and he was quick to jump on it and address it, but he didn't say, oh, I'm going to get this over to one of my other guys. It was always a, he seemed to be the only guy in there. Getting him some support, I think, is going to go a long ways for our community, for this game, and everything else. And I really applaud MLS for uh, providing him the resources that he needs to help bring us the best game possible because I think that's one of the big hangups we had at the first part of the season was just not enough support for the amount of changes that were thrown at us. And a few extra bodies in there looking at it throughout the week is going to be huge for everybody. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of these guys have to wear a lot of hats too, you know, yeah. um, you know, they're probably they're running a lean organization. So, you know, it's, it's good that they are able to at least say, Hey, you know, we have a couple of guys dedicated or at least as dedicated as you can be at a lean shop. You know, I, I, I am a big fan of that. Uh, and uh, you highlighted something, Blaine, that I'll mention right before. This will be the last thing, I promise. Um, what really stood out to me as well is the rolling transfers was a change that was prompted by fans. There were people on Reddit who were looking at what we did and responding to fans when they had concerns. There were people on Reddit and on Twitter who were seeing comments and bringing suggestions to Ben, even though he may have shot them down immediately. Um, away team modifiers. Uh, but people in some in MLS and over there 
they are looking at what we're saying. They are trying to react to what we want. And I think that's huge and, and something that, that all of us need to keep in mind uh, as we're playing, as we're dealing with some of the frustrations that I think a lot of us as MLS fans may have at times that the people who are working on this game are listening to us. They see their community, they're, they're, and take listening however you'd like. If you think listen is they're doing exactly what I say, then maybe they're not. But they they see the feedback, they want the feedback and value the feedback, and it is being considered. And I think that is huge and, and something that we should value. So tears, hugs, soapboxes, whatever. Uh, it's a great interview. So if uh, you'd like to share this with other people, please do uh, send this around Twitter, around social media, wherever you have. Uh, really appreciate it. So oh, again, Thank you so much, Ben, for taking the time to chat with us 2018. We look forward to 2019. Now I'm here to talk to you guys. And we're going to start with Jason because he's been gone for so long. And we just want to listen to his smooth voice as we get started. 2018, give me your honest feedback, uh, your general reactions. What worked? What didn't work? Go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um Obviously, like we've said this before, but kind of rocky start. It's expected with the brand new system. I'm okay with that. Uh, like you guys just mentioned too, you know, they were very quick to pounce on um, the flaws and uh, look to correct those very quickly. I enjoyed it. Um, I personally loved uh, the rolling transfers. The price structure didn't bother me at all. Um, I personally loved how I could see what, the number one and two and three players were picking on their team because then I could kind of fix mine and make it look like theirs. Collusion. Yeah. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, 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 man, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So, uh, <laughs> no, but um, I really like that. Um, I personally enjoyed it. I thought that it was really, again, again, after the uh, second part of the or second half of the season, uh, very smooth. I liked it. Uh, I really, I personally love the the app on the phone. That that made things so much easier for me. Um, just to really check my lineups, put lineups in. Uh, I thought that was a really big uh, step forward for MLS and MLS fantasy. But I think overall, it was it was great. I enjoyed it. Two thumbs up. Lane. Yeah, just it was a rocky start as everybody's been saying but i thought it smoothed out really well i thought it was one of the more competitive um years we've seen in in fantasy in a long time i mean i'm always fighting to be top 200 happy with a top 500 finish but trying to fight for top 200 and you know i went from i had a bad last week and i dropped pretty significantly with what i thought was a fairly average score and we just saw that throughout the season. We had the bar just seemed to be set a lot higher this year. And I think that's just the culmination of everything that we have been going through with the changes, rolling transfers, more money. It just, it seemed a lot more competitive. It seemed like we had more players competing at the end. The averages seemed higher. I just, overall, I thought it was just a much better year for fantasy all around. And I think the changes had a lot to do with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, hats off to Ben and the team over at MLS for, uh, you know, putting through so many changes and it's just a complete overhaul and still having it, you know, make it a, a very fun season. You know, it's it's never easy, right, to in, 
to embark upon a project of that magnitude. And, you know, even with the hiccups that we saw at the beginning of the season, I, I, I don't think that it was unreasonable at all to even expect that kind of, like, it was a great start, you know, compared to like what could have went wrong. Right. So uh, it was like Blaine said, it was a very competitive season. I mean, I ended up roughly three thirty because of an awful, like that last week was weird. Let's all be honest. That was just the bonkers. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, it was one of the more competitive seasons I've seen in a while. There was some big drops and some big gains based on, you know, how I did in a particular week, which meant that we had a very active, you know, top 1000, um, you know, the MLS FI, uh, host invitational league. I, uh, lost to the ultimate fall champ, older goaler. So, you know, I'm not too mad about that. Got knocked out in the first round, but Hey, you know, I was just happy to be there, but no, I, I had a blast this season and, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, getting back into it next year. The one thing that um, – well, not one thing. See, there are lots of changes. You guys already mentioned the app. Uh, one thing that we had hoped the app would do would give people easier access to combine the rolling lockouts, the, the transfers, to be able to go into your team to change it. Uh, I know some of us have already mentioned that we like that. The, the primary complaint that we had from this was – it was too micromanagey. It made you had to pay too much attention to Twitter. Mike had mentioned in, in our post interview that maybe there needs to be a way to kind of make it less social media required or, or necessary to view some of that. I don't know, but what stood out to me with Ben was he talked about that being a characteristic of an American fantasy game compared to a European fantasy game. And I want to know, do you all feel that's true? Um, or is a rolling lockout something that that could potentially be a, a hurdle for a casual fan that that may turn them off? We'll start with Tim this time. So it's it's pretty tricky, right? Because if you're playing any other fantasy sport um, and you have the app on your phone, you know I'm getting I'm get like constantly getting notifications for NFL, right? But they have massive staff supporting these games. You know, they have, and also the league mandates injury injuries. <laughs> so, you know, you're, we're basically getting bombarded with information because there are people dedicated to sort of delivering it to us. Right. Whereas, you know, soccer overseas and, and soccer here in, in the States, that isn't really as available. And I mean, it's, there's a lot to do in terms of updating players within the system and, you know, notify like that. I mean, the fact that they were able to mark players or tag players as yellow, red, or blue was probably required a ton of work. And, you know, I was grateful even to just get that. So it's, it's going to be pretty tricky to do um, maybe down the road. I could see it happening if the game blows up, but um, even then I still like the rolling lineups, you know, it's just, it, I'd rather not be locked in if I don't have to be. You know, I can play the game as much or as, as little as I want. Yeah, I think that's that's the key element is I understand the the frustrations that people have. Um, and don't get me wrong, I I have a passion of wanting to help people just getting into this community. I mean, it's why I have the website. I know it's why you do stuff, Tim. It's why I have this, this podcast here. It's... It's to help people who want information. And I hope, I genuinely hope that oftentimes that is new people. But a byproduct of this is 
we are all very immersed in the hardcore fan system. And I can understand how maybe someone who is micromanaging the just the living daylights out of their team to, to come on, maybe miss a lineup or come on and see that their idea didn't work and maybe it broke their strategy could completely deflate them. Um, but I, I don't think that that's what everyone's doing. And like you said, play it as much or as little as you want. And I think this system does help. I think this is a casual friendly system. Yeah. I mean, the automatic subs is nice too. Sorry. I'll let you guys go, but just wanted to throw that in there. The auto subs is definitely super useful as well. Like, I don't want to give the jerk answer, but the jerk answer is the only reason this is really a problem is because they took it away. We had the other system before, but if they were to build this from scratch today and we were, we, this was a preview for the first time they were running MLS Fantasy, we would expect rolling transfers to be in there and we wouldn't question it when they put them in there. And that's, just, and that's just the way, that's the way we run it. You said it's an American sports thing. We play with rolling transfers. That's what we do. And I agree with you, Reed. It is casual friendly. If you miss a lineup or if you, if you miss the deadline – I mean, last year was devastating. You missed the transfer deadline, and your whole team shot. I mean, you right. missed trading out two guys. You're looking at having to burn your wild card the next week in order to catch up and do that. Your whole long-term strategy was destroyed. It just it didn't work. It's not. It wasn't casual friendly. And I know so many people who go, "Oh, I missed a lineup. My team screwed." Now I've got to burn the wild card or take so many negatives. And it was a huge turnoff for a lot of fans. And I know that's why a lot of people were complaining about it and saying, we want rolling transfers. It gives you a little bit of flexibility and freedom. Um, I think uh, I won't say there's not room for improvement because I definitely think there is. Um, One of the solutions I like is getting rid of the Aruz, which I know is going to be a talking point later, but make your bench actually worth something. If it's half points for your bench players when they don't come in, but if you do have somebody who doesn't play in your lineup, one of your, your highest scoring bench option gets full points instead of taking a half point, taking the half points for being on the bench. I mean, that's kind of my thought. Make the bench worth something so people don't feel like they're getting totally screwed over or playing the, playing the little bit risky way and putting all of your money on the field and not having any subs there. Because when somebody doesn't play, you have a sub that can come in. If you know you're going to be busy, I mean – Sorry, put somebody on the bench that can come in. I mean, there's there's ways around it. It may not be optimal, but every week we see scores come in and we go, I never would have thought to put that person in my team. And right. that's in and that's in the top scoring. That's the top score of the week. Ha- always has it. I look at the highest score of every round, and there's always a player in that lineup that I go, I never thought to put that person in my lineup. No. Why in the world did you pay him? Because he's a yeah. punt and nobody does punts anymore. That's why. Come on. <laughs> it's because you're not on the podcast anymore, Jay. Nobody's doing anything like I that know. anymore. It's, it sucks. Well, Jason, you got a new baby boy. How is this system working for you? Uh, it's, uh, wait, the baby boy system or the fantasy system? Um, this is a fantasy podcast, Jason. Come on. Both. <laughs> well, baby boy's doing great. Two and a half years old. Have a baby girl on the way. Awesome. Um, but real quick to go back about what you guys were talking about, what do you guys think about like a vice captain? So let's say you, you know, you're busy on a Saturday and you throw your captain on Zlatan and he doesn't travel because it's on turf in Vancouver and now you're screwed. So you now essentially lose all your points 
what what do you guys think about a vice captain or maybe the first player in your sub uh, on your bench turns into that captain yeah you know you are going to hear people say oh well you know if if you put your captain on a guy didn't travel you weren't trying hard enough but i mean frankly like <laughs> come on people like, have lives though. I mean, yeah right MLS exactly isn't life i you mean know, it is but it isn't if you're playing the game like that it's never going to happen to you anyway but so there's there's only upside here there's really no downside so i am in favor of that yeah you can definitely find a way to forgive the miss captain if he doesn't play either give him the captain back where they can put it on somebody else and Sorry if you pick your captain for the last game of the game week and you don't get to move it. But, I mean, you've got other ways around it. It could be that bench option. You just auto-sub, and that auto-sub is into the armband role. It's just it's how it works. You put somebody, and they automatically get the armband, and at least you get something for it. So there is a downside. And because we had a vice captain three years ago, or so um four years yeah four years ago we had a vice captain and caparoo the caparoo was was in existence then so we had the switchers we had the otters we had a caparoo as well which allowed you to essentially hedge your bets with your captain you could put your you could put your captain out there to see what points were going to be. If you knew that was going to be bad, you could switch it. And there were, we could manipulate the captain to be able to have a vice captain to to automatically get those those points. Um, but what's the difference, though, between that and what we're doing right now with – Double the, points. I mean, I, it, it, yeah. it was a legitimate – it was a frustration for – I think it was Ben Jada at that time. Um, I mean, it was a frustration to be able to game the system – to get the double points and, and you're that still was doing the set, you're, you're, I think the frustration it was wasn't just doing trading trade manipulation to be able to get the highest points it was to be able to get the double points when you're doing that and so that was a downside that i think was not intended and and not well received on the development side um so i understand how that might be something that people don't want that being said intrigued by those ideas of of giving it to the first person on your bench could still maybe be manipulated with that but uh intriguing idea maybe even if your captain straight up does not play uh i don't think it could automatically go to the highest scoring player because that would just why would you ever then just put your captain on someone who's going to get a zero all the time let an auto sub happen and then just get the highest points that's not going to work but maybe it just randomly assigns to one of your players who did play i don't know uh, that is just a, a crapshoot. I don't know. So interesting ideas, um, but I, th I think there is that downside of the cap room that I don't think MLS wants. Yeah, I think that if there were sp certain stipulations on there, though, I mean, like, you know, if Zlatan doesn't play and he's your captain and there's two other games after him, then you can take, you know, that captain armband would essentially be taken off and you can put it onto a player that has not yet played so you can't manipulate who, you know, if like, if like Ladero plays at six o'clock and Zlatan plays at one o'clock. Zlatan doesn't travel. Hey, now I, at least I can put it on Ladero and hope that I can get some points for it. Boom. There you go. You know, something like that. I mean, I think we might be overlooking one 
thing that we used to have and that's the bench options that were you had to line them up in a certain order and that's the order they came in at regardless of how they scored we're forgetting that from last year you could easily set up something like that with your captain picks it's like okay i want zatan to be my first captain if he doesn't play i want ladero in that second spot and then i want somebody else in the third spot you basically get to pick three but they're set before the week. You can't. You can change them from somebody who hasn't played to somebody else who hasn't played. But you, you go back to the old. If they've played, they're locked. So if you pick Laton as your first one, and he locks, he's locked. You can't. You can't pull that primary armband off of him. But you know. You also can be reasonably assured that your second choice is still there. You can do it. We can go two or three, four deep on that as much as they want to do to try to cover that. And then you just you have to set them before they play up with, but it gives you a little bit of control and freedom to choose. Similar to the MLS show league. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I think, I think the easiest solution could just be if you want to have a vice captain that captains and vice captains lock with the first game, regardless of team, whoever your pick is, that's who it's locked to. And so you would then not be able to game the system and see. Uh, and so that player would be untradeable. As well, you couldn't you couldn't swap him out or put him in. He would be locked into whatever position he's on, and you would just be stuck with it. If he doesn't play, you get the vice. If he does play, you get the captain, and it is what it is. Um, yeah, I, I was actually going to suggest the same exact thing, Reed. And, I mean, let's be honest. The, the guys that you're putting these tags on, I mean, it would be very rare that both guys would be out for a week. And if, if yeah. they are, I mean, that just, that just kind of sucks. You deserve the zero. Yeah. yeah. Man, I, I, I apologize for taking you guys down this rabbit hole, but this has been fun. <laughs> no, no, that, that's, a, <laughs> no, that's, that's a great change. I haven't heard anybody talk about it. And and I, I really appreciate getting to talk through that because locking up captains, I think, does actually sound like a good idea. Yeah. Maybe it's a minor change. Maybe it's a major change. I don't know. I hope Ben or somebody hears this. Yeah, I mean, one other weird Trey, get the printer. thing I was – one other weird thing I was thinking about is what if your bench, what if your bench uh, just had like a limited salary as well, separate from your main salary? So, you know, you're not loading up your bench with potentially high scoring players. You're a little bit limited there. You know, if you have like 25 bucks for your bench and this way your main salary is only allocated to your 11 guys on the pitch. I don't know. Just, just things that I'm spitballing here. Well, I was also intrigued by you guys. Like, I know EPL has the chip system. We're kind of getting close to our 19 suggestions here, but I know EPL has that chip system, which I think is really kind of gimmicky and I'm not 100% on board with coming to MLS. But one of those is like everybody gets your points. I think your bench can also get points. Uh, I kind of like that as just the MLS bench, you always get half points from your bench, something like that. Um, That kind of makes that viable, makes you consider, do I want to put money there? Do I not want to put money there? Um, so, but isn't, it, this, isn't this going against exactly what we just said? Like, you know, it's, it's relax and calm down, just let it be for a couple years, huh? This, this <laughs> is caveat, caveat. I'm 100% on board with Ben saying that and with that happening in 2019. That will not prevent me from daydreaming about what could be with fantasy. So, that's what this is right now, responding to 18 and, and very soon much more of what we hope for 19. Uh, so let's let's wrap up 18 a little bit more here. Something that frustrated me, I know we've talked a lot about things that we were happy with or, or turned out well. Something that frustrated me was the reduction in stats available natively in the fantasy game. I did not like 
the pop-up window when I wanted to see a player's full stats. I did not like being able to see through the filter system every stat that a player could get points for. And, and I think that's something that needs to be back in 19, but that was a frustration I had uh, with this, this current system. Did you guys experience that same one or is that one that not something that bothered you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a web app, right? So it's, it's, it, you're, it's a tough balance to, to have because they don't have a dedicated specific app for you to download and play and which is completely separate from your desktop browser experience. You know, they're, they're combining it into one. So um, the real estate that you get on your browser is going to be sort of similar to the real estate you get on your phone, which is why we had the click and drag stats, you know, to go from left to right to see everything. I still right. think, at least on the browser, like, I mean, come on, like, you got to be able to see all the stats. I mean, it's a numbers game, right? Um, you shouldn't have to, you know, build an API into the back end and, and extract the data and do a SQL database. Like, you should be able to see it, but I mean, Nerd I get alert. why. It's just, you know, <laughs> I get why. But Star Wars. Sucks. Yeah. Blaine, you're a tech guy. Yeah. Um, I actually just moved a website this week at work too. So um, what they did and the amount of time they had to do this many changes and with, I know testing was limited. I find it really impressive how far we went this year, but yeah, um, they did a lot of work with this. And I think there are some pieces that are missing. And I think if we want to really talk about improvements for 2019, I think this is the area we need to be focusing on is what was the frustration in 2018 as far as how the game worked, how the mechanics worked, because the game doesn't have to change at all for us to make these changes to the website. So I think this is a, an area we can really have been focused in on. It's like now we're doing quality of life changes. We're not doing gameplay changes and yeah, it shouldn't be too hard, but we're limited with this web app system. I, I When you bring that up, Tim, when you say it that way, that just clicked with me. We're talking about a browser-based. Every time you click on a link, your phone just immediately goes to a new page and says, here you go, this is what you clicked on. And when you hit back, it just closes that page for you. For, for your browser side, when I clicked on a player's name and wanted to see their stats, it took me to a whole separate web page and all of that. And that was really frustrating. I would have nights where I'm trying to compare guys and I've got seven or eight different pages open just to see player stats to find out who's got the best average and who's got what I want and what I'm looking for for this game. And it was kind of a logistical nightmare on the desktop. And I primarily played from my computer at home. I didn't do a lot of changes on the fly. I mean, with the baby and everything i was home a lot more this summer too you all have cell myself. phones right yeah sorry sorry that was that was well done reed that was very meta <laughs> MLS fantasy soccer gaming role. meta gaming meta yeah it's just, it's just i didn't find myself my uh gravitating towards my phone to make all of my changes because my computer was available and I found a lot of frustration on the, the web-based version. It would be nice to go back to the old system where we had all of that data available. But then I look at it, even the main website stay out of the fantasy realm and just their main website and their stats is not the easiest to navigate either. So it's the fantasy, 
last year, if you really wanted to find stats, you went to fantasy and started searching through stats for players through the fantasy portal, not through the main website portal. And now the fantasy portal is a lot closer to what the website has. Whoscored.com. That's how I get all my stats. Easiest way to do it. Yeah, Blaine, I don't know what you were doing. Like, all you had to do is just look at Jason's lineup right before the round started and just copy that. (laughs) Yeah. Because I copied Bird Turgler. So there you right, go. Right, right. Yeah, because he got his with somebody else who got his with somebody else who, unfortunately, unbeknownst to all of us, got theirs from Weeby, and so everybody got zero points. Um, uh, well, at least he played this year, so got to give him that. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm more interested in Bobby Warshaw. Listen, if he's as competitive as uh, Ben says, I say bring it, Bobby. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, no, I want Bobby on, on in our league next year because I think that could be some fun – uh, Twitter encounters and uh, maybe Periscope shoutouts as well. So I think I Absolutely. think it would be. be I'm, gonna really try, fun. I'm gonna try to get Brian Dunsuck on here too. So oh snap! Oh snap! What's Trey doing? Let's get him on there. He can <sighs> he can print off his team for everybody each week. Yeah, well, um, I was trying to okay. take Trey's job, but that didn't work out. So <laughs> we I gave you a shout out on on Twitter. So we'll I know this Real Salt Lake still doesn't follow me three years later. Endless attempts. But does Mike Petke follow you is the question. He, doesn't he follow you? He does. Oh. It's pretty great. I hate you. It <laughs> looks fantastic. All right. Well, that's uh, what I wanted to talk about 2018, guys. Before we move to 2019, is there anything else about the 2018 season that you want to talk about? Frustrations, praises, general takeaways. Now's the time. Yeah, just thanks to uh, thanks to Ben and the team for all the hard work this year. It was It was great. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Cheers. Thank you, guys. It's been a great season, great new interface, uh, and I'm stoked for 2019. Okay. Now, 2019. I know we're still in the middle of, of playoff madness, which you guys talked about the end of the fantasy season being that that crazy last round. Based on what's been happening in the playoffs, it's not stopped. The crazy has not stopped. My bracket's busted. It is. It is. Busted and gone and hiding under the stairs someplace, crying. That is that is what's happening with this uh, playoff season right now. But uh, 2019, what are your hopes? Uh, Blaine, I think you put it very well in that last segment. Uh, what are some quality of life changes? Let's start with that. Quality of life changes that you would like to see if we approach this from let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's just do some tweaks. So kick us off. I mean, obviously, the stats portal needs to be fixed. <clears throat> Make it a little more user-friendly. When you click on a player, you may be able to see the last five games. You may not be able to see everything, but you can see his points over the last five. Right now, I know when you click on a player, you get the last game week. And I think if it's a double game week, they give you a number plus a number for a total. And I think you get combined goals and assists. Like, that's about all the stats they give you without navigating to an entire another page so yeah got to start with the stats i think that's going to be huge and just make everybody happier um for especially for the hardcore players the casuals if you're if you're a casual player listening to us how often did you use the stats page i mean that that would be good to know too like who are who's mls need to be focusing this data for is it for the hardcore player is it for the casual is it for everybody i think that's a good place to start with that um Another thing, and I know I think Ben may have touched on it in his interview, I can't remember, um, was being able to see your head-to-head opponent's lineup. 
I think that's one of those quality of life things that needs to be just shut down. Uh, you shouldn't be able to see their lineup until, I mean, really until the players played. Uh, once I know they want to see, keep you up to date and keep it competitive and show you how many points they've got. I wouldn't be upset if I couldn't see Jason's lineup until his RSL players play. And then they, they all pop up in the lineup. And they, so all I see four, four guys Captain all four from RSL in there. Like that's what, that's what I would prefer to see in that one is just only see the players that my opponent has had that have played already. Um, same way. I don't want my opponent to be able to see what I have. I tried not to let that influence my decisions this year, but I know a couple of times through games, I was like, Oh crap, I'm behind or I'm ahead. And I've got a couple of really speculative picks out there. My opponent's playing it a little safer. Maybe I should tone it down and play safe and protect my lead. And I know that adds another layer of strategy to head to head, but I don't think it's a good layer to have in the game. Uh, that is a change. Yeah. He definitely was, that is going to be addressed, I believe, in the next season. Okay, good. Quality of life increased. Excellent. Yeah, for me, so I think being able to s just make it a little easier to see what's going on in the leagues, um, you know, clicking around in the leagues, it, it's a little unintuitive. You know, I don't know where any of the buttons are or where to click, um, you know, seeing who did what when it's that could probably use a little bit of an, of a UI tweak. Um, and then just, you know, I know this was a problem earlier in the year and maybe they fixed it and I just wasn't paying attention, but being able to see who's playing when in future weeks, um, just on the main screen and maybe they did fix it and I just was not paying attention, but I would like to be able to, you know, quickly say, Hey, how many times does, how many times do the Red Bulls play over the next, you know, three or four weeks, right? Uh, instead of having to go to Google, I'd rather just be able to do that on the page. But really, I'm just not so much anything about the game itself, just more the UI of the site in general, which I get can be tricky because we're on a web app and you know it's geared toward both mobile and browser. But just just make it a little more intuitive to navigate, and I, I think we'll be fine. Jay? My quality of life is quite good uh, with fantasy. <laughs> I, I was a uh, honestly, <laughs> I mean. Uh, I guess, I guess for quality of life, I don't really have much to add. Um, I think both of these boys hit it, hit the nail on the head. Um, I would like to talk about trying to grow the game, though. Sure. So, what do you from, think? What do you think fantasy could do to help do that? So, I personally think that getting the teams involved more, tweeting out promotions for fantasy uh even having players maybe make their own league like i know in fantasy premier league uh patrick van anholt uh, one of the defenders for crystal palace made a league invited everybody you know in and he does like weekly promos like hey if uh, if you're a top scorer in my league you get you get my boots from the game or if you win you know if you're leading halfway through uh you know you get you know box seats to whenever we play uh you know a top five team and uh just having those big players talk about it, I think really raises awareness and, uh, you know, adds visibility to not only the game, but the sport. So like I mentioned before, uh, before we started recording, you know, what if Zlatan, man, I've been talking about him a lot. Um, but what if he tweets out, you know, join my league, how many player or how many people around the world follow him on Twitter and would just join and play? just to be in his league or something like that, you know, or, you know, any of these marquee players, David Villa, 
BWP, you know, whoever. Um, I just think that having more interaction with your star players, you know, Miguel Almarone and, you know, Joseph Martinez, just really, I mean, any of these big players, uh, having them involved and the teams promoting it more would just add visibility and hopefully, you know, increase the numbers of players and maybe even bring new fans to the sport. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they did this overhaul and and made this investment in the game for nothing, right? You know, they did it for a reason. And so I think, you know, like I alluded to earlier, I think this is part of a, a multi-year plan to really start bringing some attention to the fantasy game. So, you know, you get Mike Petke's league going. I mean, he'll probably have more than Zlatan's. Let's be honest, Jay. That's true. Um, I agree. I you agree. know, we, we get, you know, Bobby and Ben and Weeby, you know, they're, they're already doing the Periscope, right? Which is great. So maybe a little bit more of that. Um, really just having a little bit more of the league behind it in general will be a huge help. And, and I think that's probably the best way because we already have a great community. Like everybody that's listening right now is a part of a pretty awesome fantasy community. Absolutely. That's just, you know, we just, we're getting our friends to do it, but I think if the league really makes a push, I mean, I don't think it's a bad league to come into by any means. It's pretty straightforward. It makes sense. You have a nice UI. It works both mobile and, and on your browser. Like it's pretty damn solid. I am intrigued by when you said Petty, I was like, you know, I, I think a player league would be far more probably well received, but uh, a coach league intrigues me a lot. Just being like, Hey, how do you compare to the guy who like gets paid to build teams and do that kind of stuff? Fantasy and 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 soccer management, totally different things. But just that that small comparison, I think, would be really fun. Be like, yeah, yeah, I want to be in Mike Petke's league. Can I beat Mike Petke? That would be that could be kind of fun. Um, no, but I can beat right. Mike Petke. And then you see Mike Petke starting all of his rookies, uh, and he puts a captain on Corey Baird. And then it's going to be all this collusion and sports gambling and then MLS. Well, possibly. A little possibly, insider trading. Yeah, exactly. possibly would, But no, I just love the idea of what you're talking about. Yeah, you, you get my boots. You get you get uh, box seats. If this is Mike Peck, usually gets like. If you get you my sweater. This you get week you sweater. get a sweater vest. That Absolutely. is, you get a <laughs> Done. gift card to Men's Warehouse and go get you a sweater vest. That's I what's will, going on. I will frame that sweater and put it in my man cave. <laughs> I will take every cardigan he has to offer. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I will metro myself out for that man. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. No, I, I, I agree. I think if we're going to call, I don't know if this would be MLS Fantasy 2.0 or MLS Fantasy 3.0. I don't know if we have a .0 system established yet for where we are in the fantasy game. Um, I think team involvement is key to moving forward because it, it is a publicity game. And I know, Tim, that's what you were talking about uh, with, with the push is getting more people to see it. And Periscope does that. Periscope gets the marquee pundits at MLS the opportunity to make the game visible. And I think if, if teams were doing that, it would help substantially more from even just the general relationship. You like, you were talking about ambassadors that teams had before we started the show. Yeah. Ambassadors would be awesome. I mean, let's get the, uh, let's get the FIFA guys in a league, you know? Absolutely. Why not? Yeah. Well, even too, like, you know, we have the, uh, the, uh, LED boards on the sides of uh, stadiums, 
on the sidelines, you know, I, if you look, you know, they're all sponsors and things like that. What if you could throw up, you know, something on there, you know, MLS fantasy, like they have the, you know, EPA or the FPL on, on those, on those, uh, on those little scoreboards. Like people see that, you know, millions of people are watching those games, not, not so much, you know, MLS, but anything you can do to really, again, raise awareness, show people that there is a MLS fantasy game. It's fun. It's easy. It's user-friendly. Anything you can do to create visibility is a win in my book. Just, yeah, and just in the start, stadium, start throwing those caches, uh, cash out, man. Just do it. Absolutely, in the stadium, just throw up a league code, right? Why not? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, when Travis when Travis was on before before he got busy, um, he talked about Houston doing that a lot. As they would say, "Hey, here's our the the weekly winner of the highest scorer of the Houston Dynamo fantasy league." Uh, Join us after the game to get to meet a player. I mean, and of course, it was half the time Travis, but um, <laughs> exactly. But that I thought, always thought that was just such a fantastic and simple way to connect fantasy with actual fans and, and get that that advertisement going. But I really do think that that could help so much more. And I think a lot of it, maybe right now, because I I don't know, I I don't think Ben could start calling people. I'd be like, hey, listen. You need to start tweeting this stuff out. I need to get a player. I need to do this. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know what level of buy-in the teams would have to have to do this. Uh, I, mean, I mean, maybe we could do it up, up in New York. We have players' parents who are playing. So, I mean, and they're cats. So that that could be <laughs> <laughs> the, the logs are going out there to help us be ambassadors. But um, I think we as fans tweeting things at at our teams maybe could help start that a little bit, uh, asking them questions about fantasy, retweeting players, who do well in their fantasy teams, tagging players when you're doing your lineups. Uh, Cause I've gotten some responses periodically when, when I tag somebody in one of our chalkboards or something like that happens, or we, we do a, an MVP kind of thing. So um, uh, I, you, I think that's be like a grassroots thing. Or you get a team saying, we don't care about your fantasy lineups. I mean, either well, way. Well, we're, we're positive. We're, this is hopes for 2019. Yeah, so we're all yeah. positive like that. Um, um, to go back to the UI real quick. In again, like 2014 or 13, whatever, back, back, I'm an old man kind of days. Um, there used to be the a home splash screen that would show the like top five scoring players, but it would show the four or five highest average scoring leagues. Um, and so it had some little blurbs of information that I think that could be cool in a UI for 2019 because you're talking about, um, casuals or hardcores if it said we just get an average score if it was and so that's cool but we know people are going to be inactive we know some people are going to be doing just like gangbusters and some people are just jumping into it if it was like here is the average score for the top 100 here's the average score for the top 200 here's the average score and if it if maybe we had a few different average scores to see maybe how you fall compared to others around you that could be fun uh and i think it would be fun again to see what some of the best leagues are um, so that if you are a new player and you're looking to try to get into a little bit of a community. And I know Ben said that head to heads are, are a small portion of the population, but I think if, if visibility of quality head to heads was provided and if there were some tweaks to the interface and the tools that were given to head-to-head managers to be able to send messages out, like league announcements out to people. Maybe I don't. Maybe have. I think they've experimented with limited chat ability, 
before, but just a way to build small communities or at least have some notifications or whatnot, um, that that could be a way to help casual people, casual players find hardcore, passionate fans uh, to help keep their interests and build communities and get that spirit going. So that I would love to see something like that uh, for 2019, kind of hearkening back to what it was in 1314. Yeah, that would be nice. I was thinking uh, a better dashboard for fantasy. Um, I love popping in and seeing the team right away, but I would love to see maybe a dashboard where I could see all of my leagues or my top few leagues and the, the average score and maybe the green arrows come back. Cause I know that's Mike's huge thing is he <laughs> wants his green and red arrows back, but a, a second page. Cause I know we got, you've got your lineup and then you've got your, you've got your points and everything and a couple of sub pages there. And then you've got your stats and it's got all its sub pages and then you've got your leagues and it's got all its sub pages. I would love to see just a dashboard page up there where you can go and kind of get an update on your entire week see how you moved, see what's going on, see a couple of the other leagues, a couple of your leagues that you're in. Just kind of get all of that information on one screen instead of having to hunt around for it and go to a couple of different pages. I just, I think that would be really handy to have. Do you all hope to have the multi-seasons for, for 2019? Did you like that? I absolutely loved it. I think it was great, and I actually think it brought – I mean, I think you mentioned before that we had around the same turnout, maybe a little bit more than we did last year, a little over 30,000, but – I know uh, as far as like the UK guys go, um, a lot of the guys that help us out with uh, FPL, they listen to the podcast, they, you know, play fantasy major league soccer. And they were saying that, you know, they missed one or two of the, you know, the, the starting games uh, in the very beginning of the season. So it kind of ruined that part of the season. But the fact that we had two different segments of the season, they just played, kind of got used to the price changes, got used to the structure, got used to, uh, you know, the kickoff times being delayed and things like that and staying up till two or three in the morning watching them. And uh, come the second part of the season, they actually did really well. So they they actually liked that. And the, the differentiation between that and Fantasy Premier League uh, was pretty cool for them. They, they, they liked it. I personally loved it. Gives us also kind of a reboot, second chance to kind of, you know, uh, a fresh start. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a bit of a situation where we can have our cake and eat it too, right? Like what's stopping us from having a season-long one but then also having, you know, separate seasons and just you just treat it like a separate league. And, you know, head-to-heads, you could do half season, you could do quarter season. I mean, maybe we get to a point where some of the head-to-head custom leagues can have a limited scope of settings that, that I guess, uh, the managers running the league can set for their own specific league. So. I think, uh, you know, this is a situation where you don't necessarily need to have one or the other. I mean, you could have a full season camp, but then also have a fall fall and spring champ. Yeah, I think Tim hit it on the head there. Why not do both? Um, For the hardcore players, for those guys like us that are in there from the very beginning and grinding it out all season long, I think your top prizes need to be on that that league you're you're year long who who comes out on top who gets bragging rights for the entire year but then why not break it down into more things um one of the points i was going to bring up in a second which fits in perfectly here is i think we need more incentives to get keep casual fans involved throughout the year um 
I'm in favor. Let's break up the season. What we had 34 weeks. Let's break it up into five week segments with one four in there and just do five week sprints and have instead of dumping all the prizes on the first half and the second half, let's do some five week sprints and give some prizes out every five weeks for who does the best over that time period. So you, you really tank your first couple of weeks. Okay. You got a, three weeks to get your clear your head, get back into it hit that next sprint and go start fighting for a prize again and really have a shot at it. And I think that would make it more casual friendly too, where they've always got an incentive. It's like, well, I'm not playing very well, but I'm getting better. Maybe by the end of the season, I can be competing for some of these prizes or maybe it's just, Hey, look, I got lucky. I'm not going to be the best player week in and week out. There's no way I can win the entire season, but I can make my Homer picks and grab a couple of guys. I really like and they have a good three-week stint right there, and I win a prize. That's awesome. And I think that's one of those things that I think the game needs more than anything is less focus on your top players. And I love that we've got so many top players, and I know that's probably not what a lot of our listeners want to hear, but the way the way to grow the game, the way to grow the league is to keep incentives for the the casuals to stay with it, to keep coming back. Maybe it's as simple as your weekly prize is a random drawing, and the way you get entered is by beating Weeby's score for the week. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. something like something like that. I mean, there are so I, many. I, yeah, so yeah but, many. but it's an attainable goal for a lot of players. I mean, Tough. every manager should be able to beat Weeby's score every week. We so I mean, it's, a, it's an attainable goal. I mean, give it something. Maybe the Periscope guys do what. FF247 did with us is they had a group team. They sat down, they picked a team and said, okay, this is our collective entry into this. Maybe the Periscope crew goes, this is our collective entry for the week. Beat it and get registered to win a prize. I, I like the alliteration of beat Bobby as <laughs> as the thing. No, but no, that, that makes me think maybe it's not necessarily some of these gimmicks or, or that I think we could have discussions about is if we divide up into five weeks, is, is that too long or people are going to get frustrated about, Oh, I missed that. that this week's in, maybe it should be a monthly thing, whatever. It's an intriguing idea because I think it starts focusing on adding non game related fun to, to the whole system, to the community. And I think we see some of that already online. Um, on the editorial side, when we have the the goal of the week and and the save of the week and and the instant replay and some of those things, and Periscope does some of that, some of those random challenges do that. But maybe that's what we need to do. And this could be an element where where we as as fantasy content providers do this if MLS can't. But maybe we need a fantasy player of the week. That's more than just who scored the highest. Um, maybe it's. The, an Audi player, Audi player of the week, right? Right, right. right the Audi player of the week. Um, br- br- well, they don't they don't brought to us by anything. So if if they'll if they'll give us some cash, we'll have an Audi player of the an Audi fantasy, Audi fantasy player or a of the car. Week. I mean, or Continental, uh, we'll do do <laughs> that. But no, like I'm saying, if if we had little things like that, that each each week there was a highlight. Maybe that's a good way to get get the teams involved as well for some little uh, some plugs there, but. Uh, some of the little fun little side things that that could be a nice way to increase the visibility and, and some stuff for 2019. What else? Anything else guys? Are those, are those all of your 2019 hopes and dreams? Um, yeah. I mean, that's all I got for now. We got to save some content for the off season read, you know, 
Yeah, we do. No, there'll be there'll be a lot of stuff that comes out there. A lot of these were quality of life changes. Um, is there anything huge that you want to do? I mean, I want to get your guys' thoughts just real quick. Mike and I talked about uh, away point modifiers. I respect a lot not making any changes to the game. Um, let it let it play its course. I I think modifiers for away teams is is a fun idea. I don't think it would be hard to understand, and I do think it would change the considerations for team makeup. Um, but maybe I'm off. Maybe most people are already picking away players. How much did that factor into your decisions when picking your teams? And do you think that would be a difficult change for people to swallow? Yeah, I personally, I think it's an interesting topic, but I think that that's, that would be more for the hardcore players, not the casuals. If the casuals are like, I don't, I mean, they're already having a hard time understanding the price structure and the rolling transfers. Now you're throwing in away modifiers. Again, going back to MLS Show League, very similar for the home modifiers. But I, I think that's way too much to do in 2019. Maybe look at it in 2020, 21 after this model kind of gets, you know, all the rust shaken loose and uh, all the fine tunes and tweaks done. Um, I think it's an interesting option, but I, I think it's I think it's way too much for a casual fan to handle. That's fair. Yeah. I can see that. I've never been a fan of the away points modifier. Every time you guys bring it up, I just go, uh, "That would that's just a huge turnoff to me." And I think Ben Ben mentioned trying to address it a different way. If we cut the maximum from a single team that you can have from four to three, that's going to limit a lot of your player choices. I know there were times where, like, well, here's your three good home matchups. You get four, four, and three, and you can build a team that way. Or you've got six or eight good home matchups. You grab one player from each and then you fill it out. You fill out your team with the rest of them. Now you're going to have to start looking at some other players and it's going to make you really start to value away players a little bit differently. You can't just overlook them. If you cut down the number of number of players from a single team, you can get, especially on defense when we were scrambling to try to find good defensive players at times within a budget. I think that's going to push you to have to look at some away players for certain roster spots, whether it be midfielders, you take Valeri on the road so that you can have a Sporting Kansas City defender on your back line when you might take one of their midfielders instead when they've got Russell playing well. I mean, you start making those trade-offs. Is a Sporting defender plus Valeri better than Russell and some other defender that I can find playing at home? And I think that's going to help a lot with this, where you may not need the away points modifiers. I think defenders were impacted more by the, their price rises because that that very quickly became, do I have enough money to get a premium defender and still get some of the offensive guys? Because I think a lot of defenders became very expensive and they very quickly became not worth it. That's true, too. I think the multipliers could be applied to you know, individual league settings. If you decide to set up a side head-to-head league or something, but oh, yeah. I don't think it's something the main game should have. Long term, long term. All right. Long so, term, like lesson learned: hold back, cool, cool the jets on away point modifiers. Message loud and clear. <laughs> simmer down now. Simmer exactly. Simmer. Uh, last topic before we kind of wind everything down. Uh, I mentioned it briefly in our last discussion, but I'll let it, if nobody else, I'll let Blaine at least talk about it. Uh, we did ask about draft on the roadmap. I know that is another topic that people often like. Um, it, it's pretty 
already a sure thing that it's not going to be in 2019, even though it's, it's always on the radar. Uh, is that a future you guys would like to see if, if we don't get some of these other options? Because we've mentioned it multiple times about, hey, let's have this run concurrently with that. If there is a concurrent game with the more classic fantasy system, should draft be the priority first? I mean, it's going to be a monster ask, right? But if they could pull it off, man, absolutely. Because that would also coincide with, you know, having separate side leagues created and being able to sort of manage the settings on those. So if they could do it, hell yeah. But I understand if it's going to take some time to do it. I think they should absolutely do it. I think first and foremost, we need to grow fantasy major league soccer above, you know, 30,000 people. But I think that the aspect of the draft appeals to almost every other sports fantasy genre because if you look at anything else, fantasy football, fantasy basketball, fantasy baseball, fantasy hockey, whatever you're into, fantasy cricket, um, you know, it, it it's all from a draft. And I think that having an MLS draft could possibly entice other individuals playing other draft-style games, um, fantasy games, to lure them over to fantasy major league soccer Again, 2019, like you mentioned, Reed, is probably not going to happen. But 2020, 2021, I think that could be a, a you know a viable uh, opportunity, and I like it. I would play it in a heartbeat. Blaine, you're the expert. Final thoughts. Draft is probably the most casual, friendly, and most intimate way to play a fantasy game. And if you're just wanting to get clicks on the site and get people involved giving them the option to pick from a six-team six league up to a 10-12 team league. I don't think you want to go much more than 12 with the current number of teams in MLS and the amount of players we have. You start really thinning out the player pool too much. But again, it, you, you can pick up and go, I know all 10 guys in my league with me. I know exactly what we're doing. We're we're fighting for bragging rights. I mean, we see it on TV with the NFL, the the stupid tattoo the guy gets or having to wear a dress to whatever function because he came in last place in his fantasy league. I mean, that's that works best in a draft format because your your choices directly affect your opponents. It's not just, "Oh, I picked better than you this week." It and it's just I've played in one league, and I know, Reed, you've been in there. We've got some of our show league guys that are starting to pop up in this draft system now. It's been homebrewed that we've done now, I think, three or four years. And the relationships and the stories that come out of that, the people I never met before I met them in there, and just we're now we're friends on Facebook. That's where we run it through. And the stories we have, oh, remember when this guy did this? Remember when this guy who was – playing awful all season, won the relegation battle, and he's the only guy to stay up in the league out of the four teams. And just uh, just the stories, everything. I, I think draft has got to be in the future of this game um, because you can use draft as a way to get players in playing with their friends, and they go, oh, all I have to do is this other little bit, set my, what is it, 15-man lineup now, and I'm entered for a chance to win some prizes because I can't win prizes in my draft. I'll take that. Let's go try it. And I think it'll, I think one will feed into the other because I, when this year was a little different with my time constraints with Lily, but in years past, I'd spend two hours a week setting my MLS lineup and I'd spend four, six, eight hours a week trying to figure out what to do next in my draft, who was available, who was I going to go after. 
for in trade or in transfer, just who can I pick up this week that's free. I spent so much more time in there and it didn't feel like work. It was fun. I was talking to my friends like, hey, I really want this player from you. What's it going to take to get it from you? And then trying to work out two and three way trades to get what we needed. Draft is the future of just a casual friendly system that just keeps going. Um, I mean, how many of you guys have played fantasy football and have been in the same league six, seven years now? I know I, I'm not as big into the other fantasy sports, but I've played, I played in one fantasy football league three years straight, and it just auto-booked me back for the next year on Yahoo. It's like, hey, the league's starting up again. You ready to play? And it just gave me my draft time and reminded me that I was in it and going. And I think that's what this turns into for MLS if they can ever get it set up. All right. Well, uh, that's all that I have planned for us to talk about, guys. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to our annual re- recap show here. Uh, thank you for Ben. Final comments about anything 2018, 2019, anything soccer. Jason. I missed you guys, and hopefully I can figure something out to be back a little more or maybe permanently next year. I would absolutely love that. Um, community's great. Thanks again for everything ben uh and all the mls guys bobby and all everyone that's contributed to this all the guys here at mls fantasy boss uh soccer captains everybody thank you guys i love you and i miss you tim yeah um thanks again to the crew at mls and mls fantasy uh thanks again to the crew over at mls fantasy boss on the discord channel you guys are great um on twitter facebook Reddit, like everyone killed it this year. It was a blast. Uh, thanks to you guys for having me on so much this season. Uh, I enjoyed every single minute I spent, you know, podcasting with you guys. This was so much fun. Um, and I uh, hope to see uh, the Red Bulls against RSL in the finals this year. <laughs> yeah, I got to give a shout out to the community and our Patreons. Um, you guys are why we do this. Um, I know I haven't been as active on social media this year with Lily. It's just been a different, different time in my life. I wasn't, I wanted to be more active and I just didn't have the time, but I know you guys are still out there. We do appreciate you guys a lot. Um, I keep trying to give you content when I can this year. It's been on the podcast more than it has been typing up something for you, but you guys are the reason why we do this. And I look forward to just another great season in 2019, competing with everybody. Um, quality is getting better. I think we saw a better year this year, and I only expect it to keep getting better with 2019. Uh, for sure. These guys have nailed it all on the head. Thanks to the community, uh, both on the, the Reddit and Fantasy Boss and the Patreon side and the people who support us over at MLS Fantasy Proper, uh, MLS Proper, uh, everybody we appreciate all of that. Uh, Patreon in particular, thank you so much, guys, for supporting the show. Uh, I hope people are starting to get their their swag. Tim? Oh, I got it, baby. Good. I'm Good. slapping that uh, I'm slapping that sticker on Red Bull Arena again. Undisclosed. <laughs> <list>. Inside <laughs> of the stadium. They still haven't taken down the first one. Nice. I've, I've had a couple pints out of the, uh, the MLS uh, F5 uh, pint glass. There we so go. There we go. It would be uh, nice if I, if I got a scarf, though, because I live in Utah and it's cold out here. That's so. right. It is cold out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but again, thank you, guys. I, I hope you're getting getting the stuff that that you've earned from from contributing. I'm going to try to get the website and everything updated for next year to get the rest of uh, the tiers set up going forward. Uh, but thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the show. 
Uh, we'll have more content a little bit, bit less regularly over the offseason as we prep for 2019. Uh, be looking forward to our primer, as always. Uh, I just appreciate it so much. Good luck. <laughs>